This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman. And you're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam, streaming at DCAUreview.com and on your favorite podcast app. The original Justice League has become a memory. I am resigning from the Justice League. What's going to happen to the League now? We rebuild. From the ashes of that great conflict, a new team has arisen. A much, much bigger team. Each of you brings something different to the table. Old friends, new heroes. And as usual, plenty of bad guys jumping up to get beat down. Calm down, and I'll let you go. How about you kiss my ass? Watch out, evildoers. There's nowhere to run. Because this year, they're all around you. The league is unlimited. Ah! All new original series, starring every superhero worth cheering for. And then some. Justice League Unlimited. Where am I exactly? Among friends, there's strength in numbers. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 157 of the DCAU Review. I am Liam, and as he always is, Cal is joining me once again this week. And Cal, we are smack dab in the middle of our month of magic. That's right. It's uh, Magic May, if you will. It's, it's the month of magic. We are uh, reviewing episodes specifically themed uh, around characters that wield their magical, mystical powers here this month throughout the DCAU. So uh, we were led into this month by the Batman the Animated Series episode Zatanna. Uh, We have also uh, covered The Hand of Fate. Uh, which kicked us off last week with the month of magic, sort of the introduction to a pseudo introduction to the Dr. Fate characters as we were uh, sort of quizzically discussing, uh, which of course, (laughs) if you you missed that episode, make sure you go back and check it out in the archives at DCAUreview.com. But today, Liam, we have, uh, I, I think this is going to be a milestone episode for two reasons. Uh, the first, as we teased last week, is this is oftentimes an episode referenced by us that uh, I have quite the affinity, or at least I believed I had quite the affinity for uh, and, and love for, while you uh, did not quite share that that uh, that that same love and appreciation for this episode. So we kind of anticip- anticipated this being one of the rare <laughs> times where we may in fact have a large disparity between our scores. Uh, so that's the first one. The second one is I can almost say beyond certainty that today will mark the Paul Diniest of Paul Dini episodes that we will <laughs> ever cover. <laughs> That's right. Uh, as, as mentioned, we are re- we are this week reviewing this little piggy, the Justice League Unlimited episode, and uh, lots of magical characters on display here. Wonder Woman herself as the returning Zatanna, and uh, kind of one of the big bads of the whole Wonder Woman uh, rogues gallery in Cersei, making her one and only DCAU appearance. 
Yes, she does. Uh, and we will uh, kind of roll into the plot here in just a moment, discuss how they kind of go about introducing her. Uh, but before we do, I'm sure as we do each and every week uh, for the listener's benefit and uh, for a quick refresher for us, uh, and be- just because we get some good entertainment value out of it as well, uh, I'm sure that you have the Internet Movie Database. That's right. We are not sponsored by IMDB.com anyway. This is a free plug for them every single week. We would be, though. I think we would take oh, yeah. a sponsorship for IMDB. Yeah, I think Amazon owns them. So any of that Bezos money wants to come our way. Yeah, we'll we'll take it. We digress here. (laughs) Uh, This episode, uh, as you're about to read, Liam, the official IMDb synopsis of uh, originally debuted on the Cartoon Network back on August the 28th. 2004 uh meaning that we just are are coming up on the 17 year anniversary of this very episode that's right and this uh, synopsis is for the episode this little piggy which was written by paul dini directed by dan reba with uh, music by the dynamic music partners and animation by dong yang and that synopsis reads as such When Cersei changes Wonder Woman into a pig, Batman and Zatanna must find her and change her back. Short, sweet, to the point, no gristle, no extra, (laughs) no extra like wordiness. I think that may be the best synopsis I've seen in quite a while from the folks over at IMDb. Yeah, no, I uh, no notes. It's It's a pretty solid one. That's a good, like, I think that's like a solid B, B plus, I think. Like, agreed, agreed. Didn't go over the top, but, you know, it's, it, it didn't go out of their way to make it memorable, but it's short, sweet to the point. Didn't uh, answer the, ex, the uh, extra credit essay questions <laughs> at the bottom of the test, but did good work on the main body. Anyway, Cal, we can jump into our plot here, which might be where we hear the disagreement alarm for the first time. We'll see. Um, so, as mentioned in our synopsis, Uh, Wonder Woman and Batman are on a stakeout at the start of the episode. They uh, run afoul of a thief uh, outside or actually in a back alley behind the Iceberg Lounge. So we established there in Gotham City. Mm -hmm. And uh, wouldn't you know it, the thief turns out to be the aforementioned Cersei, one of kind of the true uh, arch enemies of the Wonder Woman character in the comics. Um, And uh, so... They actually take, I guess, a little bit more of the traditional uh, motifs of this character in the uh, in the Greek mythology, and that is that she turns men and, in fact, women in this episode into animals. Yeah, there's a there's a heavily heavy reliance on some of the Greek mythology as we we'll, we get into it here. Uh, let's not bury the lead here. I I think. The, the fans, the listeners here are, are going to be quite upset if we don't at least address the giant. Uh, it's, it's not an elephant. I guess it would be a pig in the room. But that would be that th- we have a very serious conversation at the beginning of the episode about Wonder Bat. 
And Wonder Woman is clearly flirting with Batman on the stakeout as they were uh, given a tip that Intergang was going to be breaking into this natural history history museum and they're going to be stealing the Rosetta Stone. And uh, Batman and Wonder Woman are there on stakeout and she sort of uh, pries and asks him if he ever sort of longs to be, quote, down there as they had observed several couples leaving the Iceberg Lounge. And uh, Batman very clearly and plainly states his case as to why romances, A, don't work in the Justice League, and B, why they themselves wouldn't work. Don't you ever wish you were down there? I'm down there all I need to be. Yes, but it's just a job to you. I'm talking about going down there and having some fun. Maybe, maybe with someone special. No, no dating for the Batman. It might cut into your brooding time. One, dating within the team always leads to disaster. Two, you're a princess from a society of immortal warriors. I'm a rich kid with issues, lots of issues. And three, if my enemies knew I had someone special, they wouldn't rest until they'd gotten to me through her. Next. There. Saved by the bell. He gives the old standard Batman line of... You know, if if the villains found out, you know, that I was involved with somebody, they would try to get to her, get to me by getting to her. And Wonder Woman very emphatically crushes a gargoyle's head uh, to remind (laughs) Batman that she is just not any girl. Uh, But yes, uh, they they discover as that as as uh, as they listen to the alarm go off that, in fact, there is someone breaking in. It is not intergang. It is Cersei. Uh, she and Batman and Wonder Woman uh, have a have a quick interaction where uh, I thought it was actually very effective the way that they sort of introduce her. As you mentioned, this is the first introduction of this character to the entire DCAU, but it's very clear that she's had prior run-ins, uh, not only with Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman is aware of who she is, but with Wonder Woman's mother and Wonder Woman sort of uses a line to, to sort of tell Batman, instead of just giving the old exposition uh, where she's sort of, you know, reciting to the villain who she is, she sort of kindly explains to Batman who Cersei is and Batman uh, responds saying he's, he knows he's well aware. He's well aware of who she is. <laughs> but uh, through this battle uh, and uh, as as she also sort of uh, tells Batman that she turns her uh, enemies into uh, into animals, uh, Cersei also has a line where she says that uh, she was banished uh, to the underworld. Uh, she was paroled on on the uh, on the promise that she wouldn't then uh, bother Wonder Woman's mother anymore. No more messing with Hippolyta but uh, mentions that there was nothing said about messing with Diana. So she takes it upon herself at that point to transform Diana into a pig, making uh, a comment to Batman that he would no longer want, want, ha- want to have anything to do with her or something, or that, that to Wonder Woman that Batman wouldn't want anything to do with her at that point or something like that. And wouldn't you know it? She's a little pig wearing silver bracelets. Which is funny because he's actually significantly more affectionate towards her once she's the pig. <laughs> Oh, the irony. (laughs) Yeah. So, (laughs) yeah, that's the rest of the episode. There's a lot of uh, wacky hijinks as uh, he takes the pig, the Wonder Pig, to see Zatanna. She's unable to transform her back into Wonder Woman. Uh, I think for no good reason, Batman tries to, like, keep this a secret. 
Yeah, um, that that was that was the only plot point that I like. I kind of get it. He's he's attempting to protect like and not have Diana be like the laughing stock of of the of the whole league, I guess. Like, no, that's dumb. <laughs> OK, well, OK, but bear with me here. Can't, can't you imagine? <laughs> can you imagine if some of these guys got a got wind of Wonder Woman being turned into a pig like the Flash would never let her live that down? Come on. Well, he'll, but the Flash will make jokes either way, right? Like, that's, I don't know. Also, as we established, she can crush gargoyles with her bare hands. So if anyone laughs at her, I think she can kind of handle it herself, you know? Okay. All right. All right. So we're already picking apart the plot here that you've, that you've brushed over, brushed over already. The fact that we have the returning Zatanna, who we last saw uh two weeks ago but uh many years ago actually in continuity here probably and uh zatana apparently has learned bruce's secret at some point uh there is a reference later in the episode uh to uh bruce asks zatana if he remembers uh or if she remembers the time that the the penguin was trying to kidnap some singer and uh and that's definitely not an adventure that we were aware of the only interaction we had prior to this scene was the the zatana uh, episode that we reviewed two weeks ago Mm -hmm. Uh, so clearly there was something that happened in between here that was pseudo referenced there where she must bruce must have finally uh revealed his secret identity to her because she calls him bruce right off the bat we also learned that Zatanna is no longer just doing sleight of hand and illusions, but she's also sort of dabbling in this mystical realm of, of the dark arts, per se. Yeah, she's a lot more the traditional classic comic book version of Zatanna here uh, with the, you know, her, her magic spells are all her, you know, words spoken backwards and uh, they uh, they establish that she has a lot more uh, mystical ability. They do she does mention that she's still for the most part her her stage act is mostly still practical uh, practical tricks and and uh, and illusions, but that she works in a little bit of the sorcery for uh, for that old razzle dazzle, if you will. So yeah, they we, yeah we don't really we don't know if she always had that ability and just wasn't using it. Um, could have used that ability to shrink a man probably when she was <laughs> when Batman and her were being thrown out of a plane. Uh, <laughs> yep. But yep. you know, no, it's just things change. And uh, and obviously when they were they were doing that episode of Batman, I don't think they ever could have imagined that things would get quite so uh, outlandish and over the top and uh, full comic booky as they got later on in, in these uh, subsequent series that came out. So I, I'm okay with that. Whether whether she always was sort of dabbling in it and was keeping a lid on it, or if that's just, that's a chapter in her life that we didn't get to see where uh, sometime after the events of, of that episode, she began to learn that. But uh, either way, yeah, like we said, she's uh, she's definitely much more the traditional comics uh, Zatanna here. And is uh, she's kind of a, she's kind of Batman's tour guide through the magical realm. At first they go to like this, this like magic fence, <laughs> who's uh who's like who uh trades in in these elements they need for a spell who tries to rip them off and then uh after uh, after the wonder pig escapes because batman just because for the plot to move forward <laughs> batman had to not be paying attention right um batman and that's the other thing where batman's like don't well, i need to keep this a secret but also i call in the bowana beat 
<laughs> and Crimson Avenger. Like, and the Elongated Man. Like, these guys aren't exactly, you know, if you're worried about it getting out, maybe don't call, like, Elongated Man in pretty much every appearance where he has dialogue is known to be quite a chatterbox. So I, I question the wisdom of, of that team but uh anyway um we, we can get more into that in a little bit but i uh yeah so wonder wonder big escapes a few more leaguers get called in to sort of search the town for her. and meanwhile uh batman and uh, zatanna go to i guess the river sticks and uh not only meet the uh the woman that holds the scales of justice but also they meet with the grim reaper and in fact the real medusa uh, not the marvel character marvel comics character the literal uh, greek greek goddess with with the snakes for hair yeah yeah we said it at the kind of at the top we were talking here they they had some fun with some of that old greek mythology and uh uh yeah they they really went all out with it medusa is a hilarious character that written by paul dini uh like if if you just want a snapshot of the comedy of this and a pig with bracelets isn't enough for you and some of the other hijinks and slapstick that happens later on in the episode the entire conversation between batman and wonder woman and medusa uh it's it's as if uh, it's as if they went to a, a actual real prison and spoke to a because Medusa, you see, was Cersei's cellmate in Hades. Uh, yep. So uh, she she had all the scoops on where uh, where she might be. And uh, <laughs> her parting line about demanding Cersei return her curling iron. I thought she's like, what? <laughs> this is so goofy. This is so, so, so goofy. Medusa, you have a chance to earn leniency if you help our visitors. You were Cersei's cellmate, weren't you? Seagirl and me did some time together back in the pit of eternal torment. That's where they hang you by your ankles and weasels come each night to eat your fingers. They grow back the next day, but trust me, it gets old real quick. Did she ever mention Hippolyta? Are you kidding? Hippolyta, Hippolyta! All the time, Hippolyta. When I get my hands on her, yada, yada, yada. That much we know. We're wasting our time. Wait, wait. Uh, there was one other thing. Circe was always saying she wanted a headline at the amphitheater. The amphitheater? On Mykonos, duh. Seems Circe was wicked jealous of her cousins, the Sirens, and swore she'd someday get her turn on the bandstand. Sophocles got to start there, Aristophanes, all the big names. You know those statues at the entrance? Mine! Thank you, Medusa. And know that you've earned 300 years off your sentence. Freedom in 4010. Ring-a-ding-ding! Yeah, but I... Yeah, I, so they continue after that. Yes, after they've met with Medusa, who gives them the tip. By the way, uh, the little plot point that we neglected to mention was that Cersei couldn't. The reason why they kind of traversed the the magic, different magic realms was because they had no way to locate where Cersei was because she hid herself. Uh, so Medusa was the only one that was able to give them sort of the the scuttlebutt as to where she might be a snitch. Batman calls her, I believe. And uh, she she confesses that uh, Cersei had long been jealous of her cousins, the Sirens, which, again, if you know your Greek mythology, are the uh, 
the goddesses that stand on the rocks and sing songs that basically caused ships to crash uh, by their songs. So they, they were singing gods and they were happened to be Cersei's cousin our cousins and uh, Cersei decided that she was tired of them getting all of the, uh, the glamor and the praise for their voices. And she felt like she had her own uh, uh, voice talent to share with the world. And uh, we actually get the first of two musical numbers uh, with Cersei singing Lulu's back in town. Uh, as we <laughs> later find out uh, inside a, uh, I, the the location specifically was like someplace a, a greek amphitheater basically that medusa had turned uh some men into statues and outside of it so she was kind of able to give the the 411 where they would be located so uh and that's when uh batman and zatanna catch up with her uh mid performance and uh more slapstick happens uh followed by which for better or worse, is probably the most memorable moment in Justice League Unlimited history. At least not in my opinion. And you're, of course, talking about when the Wonder Pig blocks the, the shotgun blast from, with her bracelet. <laughs> Come on, man. Yeah, we uh, yeah. Simultaneously, while that's happening, Buona Beast finds Wonder Pig as he's starting to refer to her. And uh, she happens to, wouldn't you know it, run right into a uh, the a Gotham slaughterhouse with hundreds of other pigs. So he can't find her. Uh, and uh, one of the evil slaughterers uh, finds her running around in the slaughterhouse and uh, gets his shotgun after she's a- escaped from him and uh, fires it. And she, wonder pig does what wonder pig does. She puts her bracelets up cross cross arms, blocks the bullet, runs away uh but unfortunately is finally caught and that's when they they happen to slip in the line from babe uh or sorry for yeah from babe or is it charlotte's web with that'll do pig i believe it's uh babe okay babe pig in the city yeah yeah uh that'll do pig that'll do uh so uh yes but actually what i was referring to of course is the fact that cersei uh, after batman has sort of observed that magic always has a cost he approaches Cersei with a with a trade, asking her uh, what she would request in order to uh, release Wonder Woman from this spell. And she tells him that it's something that uh, he once given up, he can never, ever give back. I want something from you that's very precious. Something you've worked very hard to conceal. Something when gone you can never regain something so shattering. Am I blue? Am I blue? Ain't these tears in my eyes telling you If each plan that you had done fell through There was a time I was your only one But now I'm 
a sad and lonely one. Beautiful. And you'll keep your part of the bargain? A deal's a deal. He can stop now. Not on your life. Yep, that's right. So uh, Batman sings a song. He he sings a song. The song's called "Am I Blue," and we'll we'll talk more specifically about performances uh, of these musical numbers when we get into our musical category a little bit later. But yes, that is that is the grand finale. There's no punching their way out of anything. It's Batman. Uh, you know, is does probably the, the most emotionally vulnerable thing we've ever seen him do. Uh, for for Wonder Woman, for it to, to to guarantee her uh, her safe return, and he just sings a song in public in front of everyone, um, and yeah, that's that's our ending. Cersei lives up to her end of the bargain. She returns Wonder Woman, who is transformed back just in the nick of time, as she was literally on the conveyor belt heading towards the uh, the I guess the the bl- the saw blades that chop up. Uh, <laughs> pigs in the uh, in the slaughterhouse and she's uh she's freed just the nick of time and and uh we get a kind of a nice little uh, uh epilogue there is they're up in the watchtower and wonder woman is sort of implying that she doesn't really remember anything that happened and batman's kind of trying to play it off uh you know every, everything was fine nothing nothing weird happened or anything and uh and then of course wonder woman begins to hum the dmi blue song and and again, there's the, and the actual end of the episode is kind of a really fun musical cue that we'll get to. But uh, yeah, so I'll just say overall, and there was uh, on the DVDs, and I'm assuming it's still there on the Blu-rays, there's commentary on this uh, episode. And uh, Paul Dini and Bruce Tim and, and some of the other creators noted that this was very much meant to be in the vein of a bewitched, or I Dream of Genie, or one of those sort of wacky 60s sitcoms. And the, it was meant to be a completely comedic episode. Um, it wasn't, and that that was something they just always wanted to try. I know, I, I think Bruce Tim also said he was sort of inspired by uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer and their sort of ability to uh, to break from the form on occasion. And... And so they just decided, hey, let's do this wacky, fun sort of homage to classic sitcoms of yesteryear within the context of this superhero lens. Um, And I think they do. I think the execution of what they were trying to do is good. I just don't really enjoy what they were trying to do. How can you say that? Like, how can you say, how can you not enjoy this? How can you like Mr. Mi- or Mixie's Pixelated as an episode where it's goofy and zany and wacky, but not enjoy this episode? It's the same exact humor. Eh, I don't feel like it is because in that episode, it's more like Superman's the Roadrunner and Mixie is, is Wile E. Coyote. And this one is, I don't know. It just feels different. Like there are some funny jokes. And I just, like I said, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think they did a bad job considering what they were doing. I just, I, I, I don't, I also don't have, maybe if I had a stronger affinity for like that era of television, maybe I would, I would, I would see it more as this loving homage, but it's just, it just doesn't quite click with me. And I also just general, whether it's a comedy or 
Uh, I don't like episodes where our heroes have to be dumb for the plot to work. And I think a lot of that is like, like I said, Batman just has to ignore the wonder pig so that wonder pig can escape. And then even though he said he wanted to keep it a secret and didn't want to bring in any other leaguers, he brings in a bunch of other leaguers to help them find him. Like I said, and I I think it's sweet, but I I think the rewatch, the rewatch and knowing that I had seen this episode several times, I knew pretty much all of the jokes. So I think the, the, the enjoyment in a rewatch would come if you were like, if you're someone that's really into the Wonder Woman and Batman pairing, like I understand why this is like a seminal episode for you because it's very sweet. And again, he shows significantly more affection to her than he ever has in any other episode. Uh, so I understand why people like it. I do. And I don't want to take it away from anybody that likes it. I just, like I guess I don't know. There's something in here that doesn't work for me like in the at its core i i i mean break the disagreement alarm out that's, that's fine you can have that that is your opinion and i will state this everything that's said here is opinions your opinion is wrong but it is your opinion um that, that's a joke of course uh, you're entitled to your opinion i respect that i respect that it's not everybody's cup of tea not everybody especially tonally you know what this reminded me of as soon as i started watching it i said the people that don't like this or the people that I wonder if the people that have watched this episode are the same people that don't like Batman and Harley Quinn, because tonally it is very similar in that nothing is taken seriously. There's musical numbers. It's goofy. Granted, Batman doesn't act a whole lot like Batman. The the over seriousness over. Uh, you know, over brooding, brooding. There's a brooding joke that Wonder Woman makes about him within the first two minutes of the episode. So there is a little bit of tongue in cheek mocking that takes place of Batman in this episode. However, I think you're right. I think to me, if anything, this adds extra depth and layer to humanizing the Bruce Wayne Batman character that they did not do in a very many episodes. We The episodes that that feature that sort of human-esque side of him where he gets to care and show compassion and show love and show, uh, you know, and show that he actually cares beyond his oath to, to defend and, and seek justice on behalf of his dead parents. Like, I like that. I greatly enjoy that. And I think that this episode, beyond whether or not you're a Wonder Bat stan or not, like whether or not you sh- you're a shipper for Wonder Bat, like this episode creates more character for Batman to show that A, he does care. Yes, you're right. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense, especially when he changes his mind two minutes later to include more people to keep this a secret. However, it does show that he cares. He cares for her, even if his even if his care is misplaced. He doesn't he doesn't want her to be embarrassed. He doesn't want doesn't want there to be an embarrassment uh, for 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 her in this um, or shame or whatever you know. So he cares in that way. Mm-hmm. He cares he cares in going out of his way to make sure that he brings in when he brings in Buona Beast. Zatanna's like, who the heck are you bringing in? Why are you bringing in this guy? He's like, oh, because he talks to animals. He, you know, he's a hunter. He can find he can find animals easier. So he, you know, he uses that that 
giant brain, but also uses his loving heart in this episode in a way that we don't get to see a lot of in Bruce Wayne and Batman. And I feel like because of that, it because it lines up with the, some of those other episodes where you see Batman's compassion and his heart. That's why I love this beyond the comedy and the goofy, zany Paul Dini writing. It's there's there is some depth and some some heart the fact that batman goes up on stage and makes a fool of himself in his full batman costume singing this song <laughs> in front of a bunch of strangers so that wonder woman's life can be spared although he did granted he didn't really know that her life would be was in danger but that her life would be spared that she could be returned to her human form Another sign of Batman's compassion, his heart, his willingness to sacrifice, like not only is he willing to sacrifice himself, his life, we've seen him like nosedive the javelin 55 times in this series, like <laughs> to give him to get to like to sacrifice himself. But here it's a little bit more of his pride. It's a little bit more of some of, you know, of of something that's less. Uh, less tangible and less maybe heroic on the surface. Uh, so for those reasons, I absolutely love this episode. I know we're going to disagree greatly on this. I think that it's so much fun. I think it's something that you can put on for 22 minutes. And as long as you're not, as long as you're going into it, I don't know, maybe that's the issue. If, if you're showing this to somebody that's never watched it before, tonally compared to the rest of the DCAU, it's very different. It's very zany. It's very, it's meant to be comedic. Like you said, it's like that. It's like a special episode of, you know, I don't know. Uh, what was that show that was on for 20 years on the CW with the two, the two brothers that they want. Uh, what show? Supernatural. Supernatural. Right. It's like that. They, they, towards the end of that show, they were just like throwing random weird things out there. Or it's like an episode of, of uh, legends of tomorrow where it's like all right what are we going to do this week oh we're going to have a musical episode okay mm -hmm. they did that on the flash and supergirl too it's like okay we're just going to have fun this week and do something a little bit different okay so it doesn't line up completely tonally and i get like i do understand if people don't like it for that reason however i think it's 22 minutes it's not even like a full-length feature like batman and harley quinn is uh, and because of that, I don't, I, I enjoy it. I enjoy it for what it is. I like it. I like that. It's a little bit different. And I think it does add a little bit to the characters that are involved. No, I appreciate that. And I, I just want to make note of, uh, I don't relish disagreeing with the majority, <laughs> you know, like I don't, I, again, I'm not looking to ruin, ruin anybody's fun who does love this episode. And I don't, I don't hate this episode. Uh, like maybe I even thought I was going to dislike it. It's just, it's not one that's going to, I mean, I don't want to spoil our, our rewatchability at the end, but it's just, it was not one of my favorites when I was younger and watched it, watched it now. Like I said, I can appreciate, like I said, I think their execution of what they were doing was good. It's just not really a story I enjoy. And I think it would have maybe been more interesting for me because this is like, maybe the most in-depth exploration of the Wonder Woman and Batman relationship that we get in the series to like actually have give Wonder Woman a little bit of like agency in this episode. Like she, she's in the beginning, like you said, she kind of, you know, you know, cuts through all of his excuses of why he doesn't want to, you know, give it a fair shot, but then she's a pig for the rest of it. And then, she hums a song at the end. Like she doesn't, she just, she doesn't get much to do. And we don't really get this 
explored much deeper than this. So if maybe if this was like the first chapter of like a deeper exploration and there was two more episodes that really focused on this, I would see this as a, uh, as as something maybe more a little bit more favorable just because it was it was the building blocks of something but as it stands it's just kind of this one-off and yeah like it, it doesn't work as well for me and for those reasons uh, I ended up g- giving it a four out of ten a four out of ten get the heck out of here come on man all right. Yep. This is, I think, by far the biggest disparity uh, so far, maybe in the history of the DCAU. We told you, folks, we're going to be breaking records and breaking new ground here. We rarely disagree on this show. We're going to make it count on this episode. I gave plot because of how just great it is. The the comedy is just it's it's a Paul Dini episode. If you love Paul Dini and you love his writing, listen, if every episode was a Paul Dini comedy episode, I would, I, I couldn't take it. I couldn't deal with it, but I love that there are these here and there little interjections of his humor uh, in various different episodes. This one doesn't even involve the Joker. Like I know that I, I saw, uh, I think in on that common uh, commentary on the DVDs and Blu-rays, they mentioned that there was a, a cut scene that involved uh, Batman uh, stopping a, a Joker break in or something like that, that and Joker noticing that he was carrying a pig and just giving up at that point, which I thought was, was <laughs> hilarious. Uh, and again, would have fit very well with that Paul Dini, Paul Dini uh, humor, but you know, he didn't even need, need it in this. And you have the two musical elements and it's just, it's totally very different, very odd. I think if you had other characters that weren't Batman and Wonder Woman in this episode or Wonder Pig, uh, I think that it, it would stand to maybe suffer a little bit. But because you will, as we'll talk about maybe in our in our voice cast, you know, the performances that are given and it, in coupled with the actual plot itself. I also love the introduction of some of these ancillary characters. Boana beast never featured again in another episode. I love the fact that they decided uh, also on that track, they mentioned that they wanted his, him to be vocally sound like Sylvester Stallone for some reason. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he's just the goofiest character that they, they picked, picked to involve in this. What a random character to use. Uh, but like the perfect interjection for this random D list, maybe F list DC comics <laughs> character uh, for all of those reasons. And because this episode continues to be one of my favorite justice league unlimited episodes uh, reinforced by this watching, I gave plot a perfect 10 out of 10. Wow. Uh, yeah. Like I'll, I'll just say one more thing, which is that I am not anti-comedy. All right, because like if you can you can look back at our reviews of the Booster Gold episode of Justice League Unlimited, of Mixy Spixulated, of um, I think I think I even liked kid stuff a fair amount. Um, so like it's not that I don't like comedy or I think these characters need to be serious all the time forever. It's just this this one they took some swings and like I said. I understand why people like it. I, I don't think you're wrong for liking it. It just just didn't work for me for whatever reason. All right. Well, I guess we should uh, should move on to uh, to our plots or our, uh, move on from our plot scores here and figure out if we're going to disagree with our next part here. 
That's right. So we are moving on here to visuals and animation. This episode, once again, directed by Dan Reba and uh, animation by Dong Yang. So this is interesting because we get a little bit of some some magic, a lot, actually a fair amount of magical powers, mostly uh, Cersei transforming different things into animals, a crowbar, bat harangues, uh, Wonder Woman herself, of course, turning into the pig transforms a bunch of the the men in tuxedos at the club at the end of the episode into different uh, vicious animals to attack Batman and Zatanna. But uh, other than that, what stood out to you uh, in, in visuals this week, Cal? Yeah, as you mentioned, it's uh, it's visually a very, a very fun episode. Now, I will say I did notice I think uh, I saw James Tucker and Bruce Tim credited with storyboards for this episode. Um, there were a bunch of there were a few others that were listed there as well. But I, I was going to just remark that this style of Justice League Unlimited uh, animation, I think we talked about it back in the Cat and Canary. There's like a there's like some episodes where the characters are very angular and uh, there's a little that leads to a little bit of inconsistency in various scenes. I would say that I thought right off the bat that the the character models, both for Zatanna, who has been updated from her from her BTAS look, um, she's got, you know, she's got uh, curlier hair as opposed to the sort of poo, that sort of one layer like whatever that is that they did on Batman, the animated series updated for the new style, but also given more of a like flowy wavy look uh, to it. Uh, She's been thinned out a little bit. Also her face is thinned out a little bit. Um, Cersei also has that similar, they looked like Bruce Tim drawings, which or Bruce Tim pinups. So if you know, if you're familiar, obviously this is all done in Bruce Tim style animation, but his static drawings there's something that you can pretty much identify right away from their style and these looked like storyboards to me that stood out as bruce tim uh, storyboards so i thought the character models were a little bit inconsistent in various different scenes um i did love uh that opening scene as you mentioned with the the doves and the hand coming out of the wall to to capture Wonder Woman, uh, Batman, the, the cut scene that cuts to the, the opening titles ends with Batman with a very bug eyed sort of uh, look of surprise when it, when Wonder Woman is transformed off screen. You don't even see the transformation. It's sort of left hanging until uh, after the opening credits. Um but uh, so those I thought were 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 pretty fun. Um, I will say that uh buana beast uh popping up uh is a is a fun visual also he he looks somewhat true to his his uh dc comics counterpart we also as you mentioned uh we get the crimson avenger we get uh the red tornado also makes an appearance elongated man uh mm-hmm. so we get uh we get some some visuals there um as far as like action there's not a whole lot of action that occurs other than uh, I guess the the scene that involves uh, the pig, the pig chase, the wonder pig chase uh, through the pigsty. And as you mentioned, the uh, the 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 wonder pig bullets and bracelets uh, moment. 
other than that, though, it's not a real heavy visual action uh, episode. Uh, the the only other thing I'll mention is, of course, uh, the river sticks and and Medusa as a uh, as a character design. I thought was done really well, especially she's shrouded uh, until she comes up to the uh, to the shore and takes her hood off and the snakes sort of unfurl from underneath of the hood and uh, Grim Reaper, real creepy, creepy dude. Uh, <laughs> a plus on the creepiness there. Uh, what about you? What did you have uh, as far as uh, as far as visuals go? Yeah, definitely. I think the character designs are what uh, what stood out to me. Medusa, as you mentioned, she's playing this very uh, like hardened hardened prisoner, and she's. But then when she's talking, she's very sort of gossipy and and uh, is uh, is talking about is talking about how. Uh, how uh, Cersei wouldn't shut up about Hippolyta and and all the revenge she was going to take, and just the whole time her like her, her I thought her hair snakes were were animated pretty well. They're kind of constantly moving, um, and uh, yeah, that that a lot of the uh, I thought a lot of the backgrounds and stuff that they used were like as we mentioned, we get to see the Iceberg Lounge, we get to see uh, this this really elaborate sort of Greek nightclub that uh, that Cersei's hold up in and I yeah I think from an animation standpoint probably the 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 best looking stuff is the when the when the when the guys are all turned into tigers and uh, and and lions and and such and bears uh, oh my yes and uh we get a black panther not that one um yeah. uh yeah I thought I thought the animation on the animals was uh, was was pretty darn great I thought that was maybe the the best looking uh animation itself in the episode the the hand i couldn't tell if the if the hand coming out of the wall was a little bit of uh digital uh or cgi animation with like some cell shading over top of it but either way i thought that looked good um so yeah i think i think there's some cool stuff but not a lot of spectacular visuals because obviously this is 100 a plot plot driven episode and and because it's so heavy on the comedy um, and again, not and again for for this because that's not the visuals' fault. It just means there isn't maybe as as much to do other than some some kind of visual gags and to sort of reinforce the uh, the plot. So uh, for all those reasons, I sub- settled on a seven out of ten for visuals. Yeah, I went just a tick higher. I went uh, I went eight out of ten. I do think that the visuals. Uh, I thought the character designs themselves deserved uh, that high of a score. Obviously, I think some more action in the episode, especially if there was some more mystical battles. There's no final battle of of magic and and wit and Batman or even Zatanna battling against Cersei with magic because it's all solved with Batman singing a song. Uh, so you don't really have the opportunity for the those uh, that to be showcased or fun to be had with that. But I thought that the opening scene was. Uh, pretty strong visually as well. I think th- that left a, a strong impression. And I do think that the character designs themselves, like I said, uh, warranted a little bit of a higher score, but nothing, nothing out there that I felt like uh, was super spectacular. I think with maybe, maybe a more spectacular scene other than, like you said, the animals themselves that Cersei, uh, you know, transforms these, these guys into uh, those, I, if there had been maybe more of them or more of a, a, a lo- longer scene featuring them uh, that may have been a little bit uh, would have taken my score just a tad higher, but, but that's still a very high score with uh, with eight out of 10. Very good. And that will mu- move us into our music category. And as as mentioned, we have uh, all three of our 
dynamic music partners on uh, on the stage this week. And uh, yeah, not only do we get the two proper musical numbers, which I guess that's a little bit of crossover with our with our voice actors, as the uh, the actors themselves do actually perform the songs. But uh, in addition to that, other than the musical numbers, did uh, did anything stand out to you from a uh, from a musical sense? Yeah, there was a couple. Uh, I think that that really stood out. Um, I thought that the the music that played during the the Wonder Pig versus the uh, versus the Slaughterers scene uh, that certainly turned up the uh, turned up the the intensity of that scene and built built sort of a, an atmosphere of sort of panic and oh no you know is the is Wonder Woman going to die at the hands of these this is this Amazonian goddess going to die at the hands of these pig slaughterers <laughs> saying uh, funny thing to say but yes uh i thought that that worked well i also took note of the, the theme that begins to play uh first when buona beast is introduced he has his own theme that plays uh it's it is very uh there's like a jungle-esque theme to it with some conga bong or uh, bonga drums being played in the background as he sort of runs through gotham city and the pig. That's beast. Got a fix on your girl. Good work. I have a ready for pickup in... like a piccolo or something that's played over top of it or mm-hmm. maybe a, a a flute or 
something of that nature played over top of it. But uh, I thought it was a good mix and, you know, a character again, that gets introduced and used this one time basically, and uh, gets a theme song out of it. I think that always gets a, that always gets a thumbs up for me and appreciation. And then that theme sort of melds into a, a, a different theme that I wasn't sure if it was supposed to be the red tornado theme or the crimson adventure theme or, but it sort of melds into a, a, a different, more triumphant theme that plays as they're, they're searching through uh, through Gotham, looking looking uh, looking for uh, the Wonder Pig, which uh, leads to another hilarious scene that we didn't even mention, where Crimson Avenger go- comes to some guy's door and he holds up a sign says he's looking for a pig, <laughs> and the uh, gentleman that answers the door calls to his wife saying that they were looking for her, which uh, gets a gets a good rim shot. That was I thought that was uh, an, another amusing po- point there, but the music in the background there was. Uh, was was uh, not necessarily needed. They could have just played generic music because it's, you know, they could have played heroic searching music track number eight or whatever. Mm. But the fact that they went out of their way to sort of uh, build the atmosphere and, and kind of build a little bit of the character of Buona Beast uh, by giving him his own theme. I thought that was very much appreciated. But the standard, I think the standouts, and it's hard because it's, also reliant on our our voice actors voice performances but uh the two musical numbers i think are are just fantastic like uh say what you want maybe they're a little bit out of place in a dcau cartoon certainly not something you're used to uh but very well done uh between lulu's back in town and uh are you blue yeah, no, I, I think that those are definitely standout moments. I will mention, yeah, I, I enjoyed the percussion in the uh, in the Buana Beast jungle theme. Uh, it felt like it could have been out of like a Predator movie or something. Like it's very, it's very uh, over the top, and uh, but it, it fits because it's a very over the top character. Um, so yeah, when when that music plays as he's like perched on the side of a lamppost uh, with his with his uh, hand. Uh, over his over his forehead as he's searching far and wide for the wonder pig uh yeah there's there's some very uh some very fun music and i would be remiss not to mention that when wonder pig blocks the 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 bullet with her her bracelets they did in fact bring in the wonder woman theme all, all rocked up on electric guitar uh for a moment there which i i thought was 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 a good bit of musical humor there as you played like the traditional heroic rocked up superhero music as a, a pig is standing there facing off with an overweight slaughterhouse attendant um so i thought that was pretty cool but yes the uh the musical numbers themselves um are are quite a bit of fun there's like that's i think we mentioned this in plot but yeah there's like this little sidebar to the story where cersei had this rivalry with the sirens who she i guess they say are her cousins and uh she she was determined to show them up by uh proving that she could also sing and I guess uh, captivate men's men's uh, attention as well with, with her, with her musical abilities. But uh, yeah, Rachel York, who again, we'll get to a little bit in, in, uh, in voice acting here, but yeah, Rachel York and Kevin Conroy singing those songs, uh, Rachel York and, and Kevin Conroy both, both with extensive uh, theater background and uh, yeah, they 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 do a great job, and and the accompanying music uh, by the Dynamic Music Partners uh, uh, makes for a couple of great covers of these like old classic, uh, you know, one being this sort of classic show tune, and the other one being this uh, very sort of uh, mellow, 
uh, blues, literally a, a sort of blues song. No, no pun intended with the title of it, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think the I think the music is, uh, by far, it's my favorite part of the episode. Um, and I actually gave it a nine out of 10. Nice. Uh, I felt for multiple reasons, and I guess the argument could be made whether or not it's for the voice performances or if it's for the music itself. But I think even if you say that the musical performances from the two actors are, are, you know, the score deserves to give to them. I still think the fact that there was uh, music that was added uh, for these, you know, D and C list characters that are never even used again uh, themes written for them to give them uh, their own sort of spice of life. uh, If you will, I think that that's, I I thought that that was outstanding. So uh, that coupled with those performances and, uh, and musical numbers, I ended up giving music a perfect 10 out of 10. Very nice. Our our second perfect score of the episode already. And, uh, that will uh, lead us in there. As we said, we're already kind of bleeding into voice actor with, uh, with, the, uh, with the end of our musical talk, but that's kind of how it goes when you have a couple of musical numbers. <laughs> um, but going into our voice cast here, as mentioned, we have Rachel York, who's, uh, you know, did a lot of work on Broadway, as mentioned, and uh, playing Cersei. And again, it's a very over-the-top character. old tuxedo pressed gotta sew a button on your vest cause tonight you've got to look your best lulu's back in town gotta get a half a buck somewhere gotta shine your shoes and stick your hair gotta get this guy a pensioner lulu's back in town you can tell the mailman not to call you ain't coming home until the fall and you may not get back home at uh, she gets to sing she gets to be a little bit cheeky and then uh, uh pretty funny i think when when she's sort of trying to do this dramatic like how dare you mortals uh you know show your faces to me and she keeps getting hit by stuff that satana's throwing at her uh, i think that's a pretty good bit and she uh, i think she pulls <laughs> off the comedy uh, very well yes uh i think <laughs> i think I think that uh, that uh, that how dare you uh, slapstick spot was is great. It's I mean it was very Looney Tunes. It was very Yosemite Sam, you know, getting foiled, trying to trying to get a word out, and just keeps getting cut off by being hit in the head by various objects. Oh, thank you. I love you all. Are there any requests? Sedgba guitar asris. I'm not sure I know that one. <gasps> Insolent trickster, you dare to strike. Oh, you dare to strike. Oh, you dare to strike. Oh, quit. Oh, no. Well, defend your mistress. Uh, it worked. It always gets a chuckle out of me. And I, I felt like, uh, yeah, her performance outside of even her her vocal performance, I thought was very, very strong. Uh, she came across as a sort of sultry uh, yet uh, fierce, I guess, uh, opposite opposing 
uh, foil for Batman in this episode, or Batman and Zatanna in this episode, even though their interactions were were not uh, were not long. Uh, she has more, I think, more interactions almost with the people at the at the the Greek nightclub than she does with uh, with Batman and and Zatanna. But uh, mm. still, I think her performance is strong. I think uh, I think she's great. I think it was a great casting, and uh, it was one of the a case where somebody who sometimes you know we've talked about how great actors in other in other forms don't always translate into voice acting. That it's a little bit different. Um, you know, we've, we've talked about great actors that have been listed at, in the credits and just kind of scratched our heads at why their performance maybe wasn't up to snuff or what we would expect from them. Um, mm-hmm. this, this obviously her having stage credits, uh, was not a detriment and certainly translated very well over to, to me, in my opinion, for her, for her voice acting. Agreed. And, uh, browning out the rest of the cast, we had, uh, Lorraine Newman, who is on, uh, some of the very early seasons of Saturday Night Live um, and has done a lot of other voice work over the years as uh, as Medusa. And she has uh, and again, it's a very wacky scene, but she she just has this very like raspy sort of like old starlet voice to her, which I think, again, it works for for what they were going for. Um, yeah, she's and- great. It's it's a it's a straight up comedy scene. She's very raspy, as you said, very, very like it's I mean, if you were going to visit a a prison and and you were speaking to a stool pigeon from the prison that's going to squeal on their on their cellmate. Yeah, that would that would make sense that this is the voice (laughs) that you would hear. So uh, for what it was required, I thought she did great. Absolutely. And uh, we uh, briefly we mentioned, I think. That uh, near the beginning of the episode, they go to see this guy who like works in like a magical pawn shop or something, mm-hmm. and uh, a guy by the name of Sid, and uh, playing him was Jack Carter, who was just sort of this. He was like a he. If you look up his uh, IMDb, it's like every one of those sixty shows that we talked about. Uh, I think Bewitched, I Dream of Genie. He was on the Dick Van Dyke show. He was on, uh, actually was on the Batman 66 show, I think playing one of those uh, made up villains in the, uh, in the final season as well. Um, okay. So, so uh, yeah, he, he's just uh, like a classic, you know, 60s and 70s sitcom uh, guest star. But a, a kind of, uh, it makes sense that they would have one, someone like that in this episode, considering kind of what an overt homage it is to uh, to that era of television. But uh, rounding out the uh, the guest cast, we have uh, Peter Onorati as uh, as Buona Beast, and oh, we'll talk about him in a minute. But I do want to make a note here that the uh, portraying uh, Buona Beast's uh, growl. <laughs> That he gives to Zatanna when he sees when he's uh, hitting on her uh, is Mr. James Tucker. <laughs> well, that's it. From mud hole to sty, we've looked everywhere. Obviously, we haven't because we haven't found her yet. Don't get snippy with me. How many other girls would go this far out of their way for a cold, insensitive? Yo, bet. <laughs> Relax. He's one of us. Wanna beast? How you doing? My legs are fine, as is the rest of me. Up here. Whoa, she's got the fire of the cheetah in her. Why are you doing this to me? Apart from being an expert tracker, he can communicate with animals. I called him in to help search. 
We're looking for a lost pig. Pink, about 60 pounds, wearing two silver bracelets. It used to be Wonder Woman. Right on. I'll yank in some of the other guys. Let's keep the circle small. Very small. Fantastic. Love it. Just what a what a neat little little factoid there that uh, one of the one of the the obviously one of the legendary writers, producers, directors, uh, storyboard artists and uh, su- such a, a man that has made such an impact uh, on not only the DCAU, but subsequent DC animated projects uh, gets to gets to have his uh, voice credit in this episode. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's I believe it's also mentioned on that, on that commentary track, but for whatever reason, they couldn't uh, quite, I guess, communicate to uh, to to Mr. Arnorati what exactly they wanted that noise to sound like when uh, when Bohana Beast kind of reacts to uh, Zatanna. So uh, James Sucker is like, no, just just do it like this. And then James Sucker did it so well that they just they just used his uh, <laughs> his, his take. Uh, so I always thought that's. That's like a funny bit of trivia that I remember uh, that I'll just never forget. <laughs> Tremendous. Uh, uh, but yeah, I, I like that. And as you mentioned, he's uh, Mr. Honorati. He's pretty much just doing a sly, uh, sly Stallone impression and gets gets some some goofy lines in there. Like you said, kind of being like this pig towards Zatanna, but then uh, no pun intended. And then uh, later, later in the episode, when he's uh, when he's trying to communicate with the other pigs to find Wonder Woman, and he's like talking about how she stuck up and whatever to try to, <laughs> which I thought was kind of funny. Um, so yeah, I think I think he does a, a pretty good job. But yes, our our main players we get a little bit, although again I think to the story's detriment, maybe not enough of Susan Eisenberg as Wonder Woman. And truthfully, it's all still pretty much of a blur to me. Did I miss anything? Not really. The important thing is you're safe. Yeah, of course. That's not the only important thing. And uh, yeah, then we have we have Kevin Conroy, who probably for the musical performance alone, like we said, this episode will be remembered for that, but yeah, the rest of the episode he gets to show, as as you said, Cal, he motion both his concern and his sort of fear of of letting letting the the league in on this issue and and sort of uh, coming to the conclusion that he was going to have to uh, to to do something uh, outlandish to get Cersei to release her spell, and uh, all, all culminating in the the performance of Mi Blue at the end of the episode there, which. By the way, I believe Kevin Connery has done a full performance of that that's uh, up on his website, or it was. So uh, you can probably find it on YouTube as well if you'd like to hear a full rendition of that uh, that beautiful song by by uh, the legend that is Kevin Conroy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what else could we say about Kevin Conroy in that he just continued to outdo himself as these series progressed? Um, the fact that you know they were able to kind of right into this story the option for them to kind of reveal this beautiful like 
amazing voice that not only do we love Kevin Conroy's Batman voice, but he actually has a really good singing voice. Um, So the fact that they were able to write a reason for him to sing, which I think in the, if I remember correctly, in the commentary, they talk about like really enjoying the fact that they were able to, to write a reason for Kevin Conroy to sing in an episode. And, uh, and so it's, it's just great. Like it's yes, we don't get a lot of Susan Eisenberg's wonder woman, but uh, I think Batman carrying the episode, this feels like an extension of a, of a, of a Batman, the animated series or new Batman adventures, episode because there's so much Batman in it. So having having Kevin Conroy's performance, as you mentioned, concern, there's a couple of great lines um, where <laughs> right when they're doing starting the incantation at the uh, at at the guy's shop, uh, <laughs> Zatanna tries to explain to Batman why she has to say the incantation bat backwards. And his response is just whatever. I call upon the spirits of earth and air to reveal our enemy and make her whereabouts known. This invocation works better frontwards than backwards. Whatever. He just, he, <laughs> he's just so tired at that point. He just wants to get Wonder Woman back into human form. He doesn't care about the details or hearing Zatanna's exposition as to why there, ha- you know, she has to say the spells and incantations backwards. But uh, I, I thought there's there's a little bit of humor that was, of course, revealed in that, but but subtlety in that he's not he's not even really in on the joke. He's just he's just tired of it. He just wants Wonder Woman back in human form. Uh, but yeah, his he, uh, we we can go on all day about how great Kevin Conroy is and and has been in every performance that he's done as Batman, but. Uh, this to me is another standout just because we get to see another side of him uh, and do it in as Batman. So he sings as Batman. So another, just another amazing different take on the Batman voice. Yeah. A lot of, I, I uh, somehow forgot to write down her name when I was uh, writing down there, but uh, him playing off Jennifer Hale as Zatanna. Um, I, that's, I wish there was maybe a little bit more of like, familiarity in there there's a little bit of of them mentioning that they're old friends and and, you know zatana has a line about like you know who else would be out here all night you know searching over the city city uh besides or uh, right before buona beast uh, enters the fray but uh i wish there was maybe a little more interplay between them on like a personal level a lot of it is and again it's 22 minutes I certainly don't think this needed to be a two-parter, so I don't think you needed to stretch it out. But um, Jennifer Hale, I don't think she does a bad job as Zatanna, but she's one of those voice actors. It's a little bit like when I hear Nolan North in a video game. Like, I'm just like, oh, yeah, that's that. I know that voice. Like, it's very like she has a very distinct voice and she voices a lot of characters, even within this DCAU. She she voices Giganta. She voices uh, Killer Frost uh, and I think one or two others as well throughout these various series. So it's just a very recognizable voice. Again, I don't think she does a bad job, but uh, me, I don't know. Maybe I wish they could have gone with a more, a more unique uh, vocal performance for Zatanna. But that being said, I still think it's a very strong episode, especially uh, from a vocal standpoint, especially from, from Kevin Conroy. And for all those reasons, I, I gave it an eight out of 10. Nice. 
Um, yeah, I think uh, combining combining uh, the the vocal performances in both songs, um, Kevin Conroy's wide range uh, showcased in this episode. Um, I really think that the casting for Buana Beast was tremendous. Uh, I didn't have as much an issue with Zatanna's voice. Um, I I do see what you're saying. Having somebody that goes on to play multiple different characters, Giganta um, as well. Like, you know, it's, it's just, she not overused, but she does play very important pivotal voices later on in the episodes or in in Mm -hmm. subsequent episodes. So I think in some way it probably would have, would have behooved them to maybe cast somebody else, but that's not to say her performance in this episode is perfectly perfectly fine i think it's i think it's great um she plays off of kevin conroy pretty well there's some cheeky moments where she sort of uh gives batman a little bit of the business as after he alludes to wonder woman is just a friend and she she reminds him that they are just really close friends that that there clearly is something different here between between zatanna or between batman and wonder woman so um, for all those reasons, I and and I think the vocal performances in the songs lend to it. Uh, I felt I had no choice but to give this a perfect ten out of ten. Wow! All right. Well, that will begin to uh, get us to our final scores here, Cal. Uh, I think we're going to have a little bit of a disparity thanks to our uh, our difference of opinion on the plot category, mostly. Uh, but I rounded up at a uh, at a final score of uh, 28 out of 40. And I think that reflects my opinion on the episode pretty well in that I think the other three categories are pretty strong. The execution of the idea is well done. It's more just the idea I had the problem with. So I think that's reflected in my uh, my final score here. But uh, what about you? Definitely reflected in your score. Yes. And I think uh, one last time uh, we'll break out the disagreement alarm because my final score for this episode putting it into our top pick section mm. is 38 out of 40 uh a very strong score for this one liam uh, which i guess will lead us to rewatchability do i need to break out the disagreement alarm yet again for this one like i don't think there's a lot here that like you need to see no you're there's right not- you're right. like there's yeah there's nothing like i said and again, maybe there would be some novelty if you are watching through this series for the first time. I think it's worth a watch on your first go through. But when we talk about rewatchability, like I said, if this if this was like a building block to like a deeper exploration of the Batman Wonder Woman relationship, then maybe I would say this is definitely a must watch. But as it is, you know, it's there. It's very comedy heavy. And Batman sings, which, hey, that might that's enough of a reason for a lot of people, I think. And again, if you are a, a hardcore shipper of, of Wonder Bat, there are a few episodes that give you more of what you want, I think, than this one. So, uh, again, I get why a lot of people would probably want to rewatch this one over and over. But I think I, I would say this is pretty skippable. I would say it's the old one thumb up for me as far as rewatchability. And the Mm. reason is it's not pivotal. There's nothing that's continued on later on other than the whole wonder bat. And it really doesn't advance that too much. Uh, But it, it does uh, it does lend to those shippers, as you mentioned, 
However, it is fun. I, th- I, I stand by my, my declaration. This is a very fun episode. It's lighthearted. I think this is an episode that you can put on for your child and watch with them. You'll get a chuckle out of it. They'll get some chuckles out of it. They'll enjoy it because it involves Batman chasing a pig around or Wonder Woman being turned into a pig. You'll enjoy it for some of the more adult homages or goofy slapstick or what have you. Um, so, but it's not pivotal to anything else that happens in the rest of the series. Tonally, it's very different. If you're watching all of the Paul Dini, Paul Dini, Dini episodes, the Diniest of the Dini episodes. Yeah, this one is in, this is a must watch, but as far as like, it's, is this a must watch? Is this required viewing? No, it's not. It's fun, but it's no more required than kids stuff or, you know, some of those other one-offs that really don't affect the, the the story moving forward yeah i think that's a, that's a a fair assessment and uh that will begin to wrap us up this week thank you very much everyone for listening uh whether you do it on apple podcasts google podcasts uh dcaureview.com spotify or of course the mighty pod tower youtube channel where you can not only uh listen to our uh, reviews on on youtube but also our friends over at tim talk as well as the archived uh, live streams from our friends at watchtower database go ahead and subscribe to that youtube channel even if you don't like to listen to podcasts on youtube we'd uh, we'd appreciate the subscribers there um but uh, as we begin to wrap it up here cal we are looking forward to next week we are continuing on in magic may the month of magic with uh, with another trip, but this time we're we're going backwards a little bit. We're going back into a a regular old Justice League episode. Ah, uh, that's right. I, and I think this is the episode we uh, we actually had somebody ask us recently about uh, involving uh, a couple of of characters who uh, their storylines kind of veered off and went in different directions uh, later on in Justice League Unlimited, but. Uh, here we have uh, we have some interesting groundwork being laid that would eventually be followed up in Justice League Unlimited. That's right. We will be reviewing The Terror Beyond Parts 1 and 2, featuring Hawkgirl, featuring Superman, featuring Aquaman, and of course, the returning Doctor Fate. So lots of magic on display, not to mention a, a pretty outlandish, over-the-top villain from the uh, from the mystical realms as well so lots more uh, mystical and magical villains and heroes to talk about in the coming weeks uh, starting next week with the terror beyond parts one and two but uh, until then i'm liam and i'm cal and we'll be back next week with another episode of the dcau review bye-bye